Section 14 of About Orchids, a Chat. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. About Orchids, a Chat by Frederick Boyle. Chapter 9. Orchids and Hybridizing. Section 1. In the very first place I declare that this is no scientific chapter. It is addressed to the thousands of men and women in the realm who tend a little group of orchids lovingly and mark the wonders of their structure with as much bewilderment as interest. They read of hybridization. They see the result in costly specimens. They get books. They study papers on the subject. But the deeper their research, commonly, the more they become convinced that these mysteries lie beyond their attainment. I am not aware of any treatise which makes a serious effort to teach the uninitiated. Putting technical expressions on one side, though that obstacle is grave enough, every one of those which has come under my notice takes the mechanical preliminaries for granted. All are written by experts for experts. My purpose is contrary. I wish to show how it is done so clearly that a child, or the dullest gardener, may be able to perform the operations, so very easy when you know how to set to work. After a single lesson in the genus Cypripedium alone, a young lady of my household amused herself by concerting the most incredible alliances, dendrobium with odontoglossum, epidendrum with oncidium, oncidium with odontoglossum, and so forth. It is unnecessary to tell the experienced that in every case the seed vessel swelled. That matter will be referred to presently. I mention the incident only to show how simple are these processes, if the key be grasped. Amateur hybridizers of an audacious class are wanted, because hitherto operators have kept so much to the beaten paths. The names of Veitch and Domini and Seden will endure when those of great savants are forgotten but businessmen have been obliged to concentrate their zeal upon experiments that pay. Fantastic crosses mean in all probability a waste of time, space, and labour. In fact, it is not until recent years that such attempts could be regarded as serious. So much the more creditable, therefore, are Messieurs Veitch's exertions in that line. But it seems likely to me that when hybridizing becomes a common pursuit with those who grow orchids, and the time approaches fast, a very strange revolution may follow. It will appear, as I think, that the enormous list of pure species, even genera, recognized at this date, may be thinned in a surprising fashion. I believe, timidly, as becomes the unscientific, that many distinctions which anatomy recognizes at present as essential to a true species will be proved in the future to result from promiscuous hybridization, through eons of time. Proved, perhaps, is the word too strong, since human life is short, but such a mass of evidence will be collected that reasonable men can entertain no doubt. Of course the species will be retained, but we shall know it to be a hybrid, the offspring, perhaps, of hybrids innumerable. I incline more and more to think that even genera may be disturbed in a surprising fashion, and I know that some great authorities agree with me outright, though they are unprepared to commit themselves at present. A very few years ago this suggestion would have been absurd, in the sense that it wanted facts in support. As our ancestors have made it an article of faith that to fertilize an orchid was impossible for man, so we imagined, until lately, that genera would not mingle. 
but this belief grows unsteady though by generic crosses have not been much favoured as offering little prospect of success such results have been obtained already that the field of speculation lies open to irresponsible persons like myself when cattleya has been allied with sophronitis sophronitis with epidendrum odontoglossum with zygopetalum coelogeny with calanthe one may credit almost anything what should be stated on the other side will appear presently how many hybrids have we now established and passing from hand to hand as freely as natural species there is no convenient record but in the trade list of a french dealer those he is prepared to supply are set apart with gallic precision they number four hundred and sixteen but imagination and commercial enterprise are not less characteristic of the gaul than precision in the excellent manual of messieurs veitch which has supplied me with a mass of details i find ten hybrid calanthes thirteen hybrid cattleyas and fifteen loelias besides sixteen natural hybrids species thus classed upon internal evidence and the wondrous sophrocattleya by generic fourteen dendrobiums and one natural eighty-seven cypripediums but as for the number in existence it is so great and it increases so fast that messieurs veitch have lost count phagus one but several from alliance with calanthe chysis two epidendrum one miltonia one and two natural mastavalia ten and two natural and so on and it must be borne in mind that these amazing results have been effected in one generation dean herbert's achievements eighty years ago were not chronicled and it is certain that none of the results survive mr sander of st albans preserves an interesting relic the only one as yet connected with the science of orchidology this is cattleya hybrida the first of that genus raised by domini manager to messieurs veitch at the suggestion of mr harris of exeter to the stupefaction of our grandfathers mr harris will ever be remembered as the gentleman who showed mr veitch's agent how orchids are fertilized and started him on his career this plant was lost for years but mr sander found it by chance in the collection of dr janisch at hamburg and he keeps it as a curiosity for in itself the object has no value but this is a digression domini's early success actually the very first of garden hybrids to flower in eighteen fifty six was calanthes dominii offspring of calanthes masuca by c furcata be it here remarked that the name of the mother or seed parent always stands first another interest attaches to c dominii both its parents belong to the veratrifolia section of calanthe the terrestrial species and no other hybrid has yet been raised among them we have here one of the numberless mysteries disclosed by hybridization the epiphytal calanthes represented by c vestita will not cross with the terrestrial represented by c veratrifolia nor will the mules of either we may give this up and proceed in eighteen fifty nine flowered c veitchii from c rosia still called as a rule limatodes rosia by c vestita no orchid is so common as this and none more simply beautiful but although the success was so striking and the way to it so easy twenty years passed before even messieurs veitch raised another hybrid calanthe 
In 1878, Seden flowered Calanthes sedeni from C. Veitchii by C. Vestita. Others entered the field then, especially Sir Trevor Lawrence, Mr. Cookson, and Mr. Charles Wynne. But the genus is small, and they mostly chose the same families, often giving new names to the progeny, in ignorance of each other's labour. The mystery I have alluded to recurs again and again. Large groups of species refuse to intermarry with their nearest kindred, even plants which seem identical in the botanist's point of view. There is good ground for hoping, however, that longer and broader experience will annihilate some, at least, of the axioms current in this matter. Thus it is repeated and published in the very latest editions of standard works that South American Cattleyas, which will breed not only among themselves but also with the Brazilian Loelias, decline an alliance with their Mexican kindred. But Baron Schroeder possesses a hybrid of such typical parentage as Cattleya citrina, Mexican, and Cattleya intermedia, Brazilian. It was raised by Miss Harris of Lamberhurst, Kent, one single plant only, and it has flowered several times. Messia Sander have crossed Cattleya guttata leopoldii, Brazil, with Cattleya dowiana, Costa Rica, giving Cattleya chamberliana, Loelia crista, Brazil, with the same, giving Loelia Cattleya Pallas, Cattleya Citrina, Mexico, with Cattleya Intermedia, Brazil, giving Cattleya Citrina Intermedia, note Lamberhurst hybrid, end note, Loelia Flava, Brazil, with Cattleya Skinneri, Costa Rica, giving Loelia Cattleya Mariotiana, Loelia Pumilla, Brazil, with Cattleya Dowiana, Costa Rica, giving Loelia Cattleya Normanii, Loelia digbiana, Central America, with Cattleya mossiae, Venezuela, giving Loelia Cattleya digbiana mossiae, Cattleya mossiae, Venezuela, with Loelia cinnaburina, Brazil, giving Loelia Cattleya phoebe. Not yet flowered and unnamed, raised in the nursery, are Cattleya Cattleya citrina, Mexico, with Loelia purpurata, Brazil, Cattleya harrisoniae, Brazil, with Cattleya citrina, Mexico, Loelia anceps, Mexico, with Epidendrum ciliari, U.S. Colombia. In other genera, there are several hybrids of Mexican and South American parentage, as Loelia anceps by Epidendrum ciliari, Sophronitis grandiflora by Epidendrum radicans, Epidendrum xanthium by Epidendrum radicans. But among Cypripediums, the easiest and safest of all orchids to hybridize, East Indian and American species are unfruitful. Messier Veitch obtained such a cross, as they had every reason to believe, in one instance. For sixteen years the plants grew and grew, until it was thought they would prove the rule by declining to flower. I wrote to Messier Veitch to obtain the latest news. They inform me that one has bloomed at last. It shows no trace of the American strain, and they have satisfied themselves that there was an error in the operation or the record. Again, the capsules secured from the very many bi-generic crosses have proved time and again to contain not a single seed. In other cases the seed was excellent to all appearance, but it has resolutely refused to germinate. And further, certain bi-generic seedlings have utterly ignored one parent. Zygopetalum macaii has been crossed by Mr. Veitch, Mr. Cookson, and others, doubtless, with various odontoglossums but the flower has always turned out Zygopetalum macaii, pure and simple. 
which becomes the more unaccountable, more one thinks of it. Hybrids partake of the nature of both parents, but they incline generally, as in the extreme cases mentioned, to resemble one much more strongly than the other. When a cattleya or loelia of the single leaf section is crossed with one of the two leaf, some of the offspring from the same capsule show two leaves, others one only, and some show one and two alternately, obeying no rule perceptible to us at present. So it is with the charming Loelia maynardii, from Loelia diana by Cattleya dolosa, just raised by Mr. Sander, and named after the superintendent of his hybridizing operations. Cattleya dolosa has two leaves, Loelia diana one, the product has two and one alternately. Sepals and petals are alike in colour, rosy crimson, veined with a deeper blue, lip brightest crimson lake, long, broad and flat, curving in handsomely above the column, which is closely depressed after the manner of Cattleya dolosa. The first bigeneric cross deserves a paragraph to itself, if only on that account, but its own merits are more than sufficient. Sophro Cattleya Batemaniana was raised by Messier Veitch from Sophronitis grandiflora by Cattleya intermedia. It flowered in August 1886, petals and sepals rosy scarlet, lip pale lilac bordered with amethyst and tipped with rosy purple. But one natural hybrid has been identified among dendrobes, the progeny, doubtless, of Dendrobia crassinodi by D. Wardianum. Monsieur J. Lang have a fine specimen of this. It shows the growth of the latter species with the bloom of the former, but enlarged and improved. Several other hybrid crosses are suspected. Of artificial, we have not less than fifty. Phaeus, it is often spelt P-H-A-J-U-S, is so closely allied with Calanthe that for hybridizing purposes at least there is no distinction. Domini raised Phaeus irroratus from Phaeus grandifolius by Calanthe vestita. Sedan made the same cross, but using the variety Calanthes var rubo oculata, he obtained Phaeus purpureus. The success is more interesting because one parent is evergreen, the other, Calanthe, deciduous. On this account, probably very few seedlings survive. They show the former habit. Mr. Cookson alone has yet raised a cross between two species of phagus, phagus cooksoni from phagus wallichii by phagus tuberculosus. One may say that this is the best hybrid yet raised, saving calanthe vicii, if all merits be considered, stateliness of aspect, freedom in flowering, striking colour, ease of cultivation. One bulb will throw up four spikes, twenty-eight have been counted in a twelve-inch pot, each bearing perhaps thirty flowers. Sedan has made two crossings of Chysis, both from the exquisite Chysis Bractacens, one of the loveliest flowers that heaven has granted to this world, but sadly fleeting. Nobody, I believe, has yet been so fortunate as to obtain seed from Chysis aurea. This species has the rare privilege of self-fertilization. We may well exclaim, why, why? and it eagerly avails itself thereof so soon as the flower begins to open. Thus, however watchful the hybridizer may be, hitherto he has found the pollen masses melted in hopeless confusion before he can secure them. One hybrid epidendrum has been obtained, Epidendrum O'Brienianum, from Epidendrum evectum by Epidendrum radicans. The former purple, the latter scarlet, produce a bright crimson progeny. 
Miltonias show two natural hybrids and one artificial. Miltonia bluiana from Miltonia vexillaria by Miltonia roeslii. Both of these are commonly classed as odontoglots, and I refer to them elsewhere under that title. Monsieur Bleu and Messieurs Veitch made this cross about the same time, but the seedlings of the former flowered in 1889, of the latter in 1891. Here we see an illustration of the advantage which French horticulturists enjoy, even so far north as Paris. A clear sky and abundant sunshine make a difference of more than twelve months. When Italians begin hybridizing, we shall see marvels, and Greeks and Egyptians. Mastervalias are so attractive to insects, by striking colour as a rule, and sometimes by strong smell, so very easily fertilized also, that we should expect many natural hybrids in the genus. They are not forthcoming, however. Reichenbach displayed his scientific instinct by suggesting that two species submitted to him might probably be the issues of parents named. Since that date, Seden has produced both of them from the crosses which Reichenbach indicated. We have three natural hybrids among Phalaenopsis. Phalaenopsis intermedia made its appearance in a lot of Phalaenopsis aphrodite, imported 1852. Monsieur Porte, a French trader, brought home two in 1861. They were somewhat different, and he gave them his name. Monsieur Lowe imported several in 1874 one of which, being different again, was called after Mr. Brimer. Three have been found since, always among Phalaenopsis Aphrodite. The finest known is possessed by Lord Rothschild. That these were natural hybrids could not be doubted. Seden crossed Phalaenopsis Aphrodite with Phalaenopsis rosea, and proved it. Our garden hybrids are two, Phalaenopsis F.L. Amis, obtained from Phalaenopsis amabilis by Phalaenopsis intermedia, and Phalaenopsis harrieti, from Phalaenopsis amabilis by Phalaenopsis violacea, named after the daughter of Honourable Erastus Corning of Albany, USA. Oncidiums yield only two natural hybrids at present, and those uncertain. Others are suspected. We have no garden hybrids, I believe, as yet. So it is with odontoglossums, as has been said, but in the natural state they cross so freely that a large proportion of the species may probably be hybrids. I allude to this hereafter. I have left Cypripediums to the last in these hasty notes, because that supremely interesting genus demands more than a record of dry facts. Darwin pointed out that Cypripedium represents the primitive form of orchid. He was acquainted with no links connecting it with the later and more complicated genera. Some have been discovered since that day, but it is nevertheless true that an enormous extinction must have swept away a multitude of intermediate forms, and left this single genus as the record of a former and more simple state of the great Orchidacean order. The geographical distribution shows that Cypripedium was more common in early times, to speak vaguely, and covered an area yet more extensive than now, and the process of extermination is still working, as with other primitive types. Monsieur Veitch point out that although few genera of plants are scattered so widely over the earth as Cypripedium, the species have withdrawn to narrow areas, often isolated and remote from their kindred. Some are rare to the degree that we may congratulate ourselves upon the chance which put a few specimens in safety under glass before it was too late, for they seem to have become extinct even in this generation. Monsieur Veitch give a few striking instances. 
all the plants of Cypripedium ferianum known to exist have sprung from three or four casually imported in 1856. Two bits of Cypripedium superbiens turned up among a consignment of Cypripedium barbatum. None have been found since, and it is doubtful whether the species survives in its native home. Only three plants of Cypripedium mastersianium have been discovered. They reached Mr. Bull in a miscellaneous case of Cypripediums forwarded to him by the director of the Botanic Gardens at Buitzenorzi in Java, but that gentleman and his successors in office have been unable to find another plant. These three must have reached the gardens by an accident, as they left it, presented perhaps by some Dutchman who had been travelling. Cypripedium purpuratum is almost extinct at Hong Kong, and is vanishing fast on the mainland. It is still found occasionally in the garden of a peasant, who, we are told, resolutely declines to sell his treasure. This may seem incredible to those who know the Chinaman, but Mr. Roebelin vouches for the fact. It is one more eccentricity to the credit of that people, who had quite enough already. Collectors expect to find a new habitat of Cypripedium purpuratum in Formosa, when they are allowed to explore that realm. Even our native Cypripedium calceolus has almost disappeared. We get it now from Central Europe, but in several districts where it abounded, the supply grows continually less. The same report comes from North America and Japan. Fortunate it is, but not surprising to the thoughtful observer, that this genus grows and multiplies with singular facility when its simple wants are supplied. There is no danger that a species which has been rescued from extinction will perish under human care. This seems contradictory. How should a plant thrive better under artificial conditions than in the spot where nature placed it? The reason lies in that archaic character of the cypriped which Darwin pointed out. Its time has passed. Nature is improving it off the face of the earth. A gradual change of circumstances makes it more and more difficult for this primitive form of orchid to exist, and, conscious of the fate impending, it gratefully accepts our help. One cause of extermination is easily grasped. Cypripeds have not the power of fertilizing themselves, except a single species, Cypripedium schlimii, which, accordingly, as we may say, is most difficult to import and establish. Moreover, it flowers so freely that the seedlings are always weak. In all species, the sexual apparatus is so constructed that it cannot be impregnated by accident, and few insects can perform the office. Dr. Hermann Müller studied Cypripedium calceolus assiduously in this point of view. He observed only five species of insect which fertilize it. Cypripedium calceolus has perfume and honey, but none of the tropical species offer those attractions. Their color is not showy. The labellum proves to be rather a trap than a bait. Large insects which creep into it and duly bear away the pollen masses are caught and held fast by that sticky substance when they try to escape through the lateral passages, which smaller insects are too weak to force their way through. Natural hybrids occur so rarely that their existence is commonly denied. The assertion is not quite exact, but when we consider the habits of the genus, it ceases to be extraordinary that cypripeds rarely cross in their wild state. Different species of cattleya, odontoglots, and the rest live together on the same tree side by side, but those others dwell apart in the great majority of cases, each species by itself, at a vast distance perhaps, 
from its kindred. The reason for this state of things has been mentioned. Natural laws have exterminated them in the spaces between, which are not so well fitted to maintain a doomed race. Doubtless cypripeds rarely fertilise, by comparison that is, of course, in their native homes. The difficulty that insects find in performing that service has been mentioned. Mr. Godseff points out to me a reason far more curious and striking. When a bee displaces the pollen masses of a cattleya, for instance, they cling to its head or thorax by means of a sticky substance attached to the pollen cases, so on entering the next flower it presents the pollen outwards to the stigmatic surface. But in the case of a cypriped there is no such substance. The adhesive side of the pollen itself is turned outward, and it clings to any intruding substance. But this is the fertilizing part. Therefore an insect which by chance displaces the pollen mass carries it off, as one may say, the wrong side up. On entering the next flower it does not commonly present the surface necessary for impregnation, but a sterile globule which is the backing thereof. We may suppose that in the earlier age, when this genus flourished, as the later forms of orchid do now, it enjoyed some means of fertilization which have vanished. Under such disadvantages, it is not to be expected that seed capsules would be often found upon imported cypripeds. Messier Veitch states that they rarely observed one among the myriads of plants that have passed through their hands. With some species, however, it is not by any means so uncommon. When Messier Thompson of Clovenfords bought a quantity of the first Cypripedium spicerianum, which came upon the market, they found a number of capsules, and sowed them, obtaining several hundred fine plants. Pods are often imported on Cypripedium insigne, full of good seed. In the circumstances enumerated, we have the explanation of an extraordinary fact. Hybrids or natural species of Cypripediums artificially raised are stronger than their parents, and they produce finer flowers. The reason is that they get abundance of food in captivity, and all things are made comfortable for them, whilst nature, anxious to be rid of a form of plant no longer approved, starves and neglects them. The same argument enables us to understand why Cypripeds lend themselves so readily to the hybridizer. Darwin taught us to expect that species which can rarely hope to secure a chance of reproduction will learn to make the process as easy and as sure as the conditions would admit, that none of those scarce opportunities may be lost. And so it proves. Orchidaceans are apt to declare that everybody is hybridizing cypripeds nowadays. At least, so many persons have taken up this agreeable and interesting pursuit that science has lost count of the less striking results. Briefly, the first hybrid Cypripedium was raised by Domini in 1869, and named after Mr. Harris, who, as has been said, suggested the operation to him. Seden produced the next in 1874, Cypripedium sedeni, from Cypripedium schlumii by Cypripedium longiflorum, curious as the single instance yet noted in which seedlings turn out identical, whichever parent furnish the pollen masses. In every other case they vary when the functions of the parents are exchanged. End of section 14